I'm not an activist really, but honestly, I wish I was, and I wish everybody was, in the sense that if we were all somehow aware of what's happening and responding to it in a way, or not just responding, but doing something about it, in, in a way that we can call ourselves real activists, I think things would change, you know. You're listening to Sounds of Ohala, a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss activism and music. Join us as we sit down with musicians to discuss how their sociopolitical landscape shapes their music and creative process. I'm your host, Yasmin Albay. We had a few technical difficulties in recording this episode, so apologies if the sound quality isn't as great as it otherwise would be. My guest today is Jawan Safadi, a Palestinian musician known for his sarcastic, political, and often controversial lyrics. Jawan's debut album was called The Namrud, or Troublemaker, and tackled social taboos. In 2019, he released the album Ibaid an al or Stay Away from the Medieval Beast and Sing for It. His most recent album, Ijmed, or Man Up, tackles heartbreak and traditional masculinity. Here's my conversation with Jawan who is also a Palestinian living in modern-day Israel's borders. So, on your Instagram, you say you're a musician and an artivist. Could you elaborate a bit and like explain what you mean by artivist? Well, I'm an activist through art. Sometimes I use art in order to uh, take certain actions on the political or social level. Um, sometimes intentionally, and sometimes just you know it comes out as an active as an activity as a political uh, uh, action, you know. But it's mostly about the art. Um, yeah, but as I said, um, this is part of what I do. I mean, I do art mainly, but I'm a Palestinian, so I try also to do something about our reality. And I do what I can, and what I can do is write songs mainly. So yeah, that's the artivist part. Um, this kind of combining art and activism. I'm not really an activist in the way I see it because now this term is a little bit too broad and everybody is an activist kind of by just writing and posting their opinions on social media, mm-hmm. calling themselves social activists. So it's kind of the whole uh, term and not really um, clear anymore, you know, what it means, what is activism and what is resistance, you know by this whole new concepts of uh, cultural resistance and artistic uh, uh, counter art, etc. you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of taking it a little bit uh, overrating it, I would say, you know, or giving it more than it is really, in fact, because these things are additional arts and artivism are additions to, to a real activism, you know. But I started playing the guitar at the age of 21 on my birthday. I bought myself a guitar 
but before that I was writing all the time, all kind of like poetry and stuff. So I was uh, trying to put music to it when I got the guitar. So when I started, I started by trying to actually compose before I even learned to play the first song, you know. Stupid in a way, <laughs> but I didn't really. I wasn't into making like covers or playing perfectly this way or that way. I was just trying to experiment with it and see what kind of combinations I can come up with between lyrics and sounds. But uh, when I started playing the guitar, I was writing in English because like I listened to a lot of music and most of it was Western. I didn't really, wasn't really into Arabic music at the time. And um, I was more attracted to rock and to punk and to stuff like that and psychedelic and I couldn't find that really in Arabic. So naturally, when I sat to, to write, sat down to write a song, come out in English, I'll start thinking English at some point, you know. Yeah, so it was in English for a while, for many years actually. Most of your music now is in Arabic. So what, what changed? I think I matured up. In a way that I couldn't um, uh, tolerate the fact that I'm singing in a foreign language. It just didn't feel normal, natural, you know, like, what's wrong? Okay, so there were no references in Arabic to what I want to do. So I thought maybe I should be the reference, maybe I should create it, maybe I should experiment with it. It was really hard to write in Arabic because no one that I knew at the time wrote like this in Arabic. It was kind of fun. More fun than uh, writing English, more, more challenging and more honest to yourself in a way. I mean, I don't mind writing, I still write in English sometimes, but mostly for a purpose, you know. We didn't have any political education, you know, as Palestinians living in Israel. So it's not easy to become aware. And when I did, I just started to see what I can do. You know? And the first thing I started to try to listen to more to Arabic music and try to write in Arabic this my kind of music and stuff like that. And yes, as an added value, great added value would be to suddenly, finally my son will understand my songs. And when I did that, uh, a little bit after that, um, my son my son was taken by his mother to the States for a few years. And when he came back, he mainly spoke English <laughs> and he barely spoke Arabic. Um, but it was important, that awakening, I guess, around the time that he was, you know. Um, yeah. He was yeah. born around the time of the Second Intifada, and I guess that was... He was born in 1999 at the Problem is we don't really have a scene still, you know? Because we don't have a country. We're closed, you know? 
which were turned into a minority, into a, a settler society. That's what we are. So how much of a thing can you make in that? But nothing, nothing permanent. You know, you can have a year or two where there's a lot of things happening, and then you have five years of nothing is happening, etc. Like, what do you think of the Palestinian music scene in general in the past few years? Honestly, I respect the Palestinian artists because no matter what we do, we do it despite all this, you know? Mm. It's just not easy. It's not easy to do anything. It can't be taken for granted because um, Palestinians are people who really love to live and who have something to give. That's my personal opinion, really, and my experience with my people. Um, so we we're stuck because we also like we don't really play in the Israeli scene, and mostly because we don't want. And if we do want, they don't want, unless we are more uh, Israelized, you know. And some some do, and we can't really play in many places in the Arab world. But now it's opening up with the whole normalization uh, deals, you know, what they call these deals. But I guess, personally, I'm not sure, I don't think I want to go, you know. I mean, to be true to yourself and to your cause and to your art, it's kind of really hard. Um, to find a place as a Palestinian in Israel or in the Arab world, you know, it's really not easy. So a lot of us go to the West, you know, you find many good and successful quality artists that are um, doing well in Europe or in America or wherever they go, you know. I, I see what you mean about how strange it is to be in this moment where these quote-unquote peace deals are being signed. Mm. Also, um, I'm not sure whether there are six, seven million Palestinians who live in the West Bank and Gaza. Mm. So five million living in the West Bank and the two million others who live in Gaza who would be your mm. biggest fans and really, like, they speak your accent. They, mm. uh, they, they are your culture. They are also Palestinian, but they don't even have the mobility to attend your shows. That is true, and not only them, also Palestinian refugees everywhere, and um, you can't really reach them, and um, they can't reach you, that's the worst part, that they can't get out. And Yes, of course, you speak the same language, and you speak the same um, pain, also the same cause, in a way, so it, it should be normal. But they are your audience, they, some of them, I mean, at least you do reach these people nowadays, it's not really hard with the song, the internet thing. Again, there is not really the conditions for a Palestinian cultural scene for a real one to thrive because there is no Palestine. Palestine is a symbol, you know, something we hold on to, more of a vision, more of a dream. But a country that was wiped off of its people and its culture and has been occupied by settler colonialism you know, for 70 years. And you have to understand how much um, attempts are being made to prevent Palestinians from being 
culturally active here. How hard they make it for us, you know. But still, we do stuff, and every few years there's something that comes out, and that's something. Which is cool. really live in Palestine and just uh, and be aware of what's happening and why it's happening and still just write songs about butterflies and blue skies and love of your life, you know? I mean, this is nice, but the reality here, if you want to be connected to it, I mean, it, it just gets to you, you know? And Palestine, a lot of it, a lot of the personal is coming from the general, you know? And so you can't really escape this collective feelings of being oppressed, being uh, discriminated, you know, being occupied, being threatened, of being hated. You go through this almost every day, you know. If not you, like it's someone you know, it's something you see, someone very close. I wish sometimes I was somewhere else, born somewhere else, where I don't have to think about this, where I can just focus on creating crazy sounds and psychedelic music that no one understands, you know, because that's really my thing. But it's just, I can't, like, something pushes me all the time to just say something and say it in a way that just, you know, makes it like clear once and for all. People were like uh, kind of being uh, afraid of this whole um, massive waves of newcomers coming to their uh, countries, you know. The, the world was kind of divided, pro-refugees, refugees welcome and refugees go home. And I, I just thought about it, like there were a lot of a lot of them were afraid that um, these, the Muslims, the Islamists will come and take their country occupy Europe, etc. you know. I just can't help but comparing it to what the all white settlers did in Palestine when they came as refugees of the Nazis, basically. Hello, white people, I hope you're doing fine. I got a message for you from Palestine where everyone is some kind of refugee. Here um, in Palestine, with to be an Arab, it was the same thing. What first triggered this? Uh, this was the whole thing with uh, Israeli uh, Mizrahis who were demonstrating against uh, Palestinians, uh, uh, hating on Palestinians, and calling Mavit Laarvi, which is death to Arabs. And they were all looking Arabs. They looked Arabs, sound Arabs, simply Mizrahi or Arab Jews. For and then there was another guy, a singer, an Israeli singer, who did the song called Ahmed. And, and the song Ahmed is simply a hate song against Arabs, you know, about a student whose name is Ahmed, and he went to the university, and now he's waiting for the right moment to take the uh, knife out and kill everybody. And that Amir Ben Ayoun is an Arab guy. Uh, maybe he's Jewish, but music is Arabic. He's, 
The accent is Arabic and he's, he looks Arab. And then I decided I want to do a song about uh, uh, Mizrahim, about the Arab Jews and their hatred to Arabs. Based on the fact that they are normally, they are trying to hide the fact that they are Arabs by being the most racist against Arabs. I also saw how your the police is not our police has had relevance, you know, with the Black Lives Matter protests in you know protests that we've had here in Cairo over the years and mm. like. Does how does how does it feel for you to actually have that relevance globally? Actually, that you're singing about Palestine, but actually, it's like the lyrics and the and the song has resonance globally. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad it does because at the end of the day, our identity and our experience here is. Uh, not only limited to being Palestinian, you know, we're also part of the Arab world and we feel what they feel and it's pretty much the same thing. Ibn al-Shark as an album focuses mainly, like the main theme is freedom of speech. The Arab world is suffocating and everybody's suffocated. Everybody's suffering from this limitation, from not being able to talk or to sing or to draw or to speak out, you know, to do something about, to change their reality or to say that this is wrong or to say that the king is naked, you know? This is the most um, traumatizing experience I had being a uh, Palestinian or being an Arab or being in the Arab world, you know? Not being able to say what I want, not being able to sing what I want, not being able to think and to express what you think, you know, freely. This is crazy and this is very problematic to an artist, you know, because that's the whole idea. I mean, what I call, I called what I do free Arabic rock. And you have had a lot of faced a lot of backlash. I mean, you were arrested in Jordan a few years ago. When, when, when I was arrested or detained at the beginning, I went through a few officers and no one knew what, what I was there for, you know. No one told me you're here because you did one, two, three, no. And then until I got to the big guy, Basha, as he called him, and he asked me, what is that song about the elephant, Joa? Because it has quotes from the Quran. Um. One word. Tyran Ababi. Anyway, yeah, so I do face backlashes. I do face um, these censorships of all kinds. 
now I kind of got used to it in a way, you know. What what did they find? I mean, in Jordan specifically, what did they find provocative about the music? I don't know. He said to me something like, "This the people here don't um, can't bear this kind of stuff. This kind of music you can't sing in this country or something. They will come and burn you in the theater." <laughs> So then he said, "Okay, you don't uh, you don't sing this sing these songs in your show uh, tonight." I said, "Okay, I guess I'm not singing songs in my show tonight." He said, "You will not have the show at all tonight." I was like, "Okay, I'll do the show tonight." <laughs> and then he said to the other guy, "Take him." I was like, "Take me where?" And yeah, so I was taken to a prison cell. Well, for how long were you in prison for? And not too long, I think, for until the next uh, day in the afternoon. So, oh, like thirty-six hours. Um, like it was on mainstream media all over the Arab world, and and the title, the headline says, uh, "One of the Palestinian artists detained in Jordan for blasphemy." You know, or for insulting religion, insulting Islam. Etc. Now, with such titles, with such headlines, you live in the Arab world, you know. Uh, I start to get threats, death threats, and all kind of stuff. It was very pleasant. <laughs> uh, from everywhere, from everywhere. Closest um, area, like my, you know, next city or another country or. Same country, Arabs in the West, Arabs in the East, everywhere. It's just dozens of threats. Also here, I mean, I was investigated for inciting terror. Why? Why did they say you were inciting terror? In um, here in Haifa, yeah, because of uh, certain songs and uh, like the misquoted our songs when we were there. I was there with Walaf State, my friend. Like, we tried to do something together. We com combined two songs, one of his and my, one of mine together, and tried to do something live with it. And people get it wrong, so I thought. Because there were people protesting our show because I was translating kind of some of the songs and what we're saying before the before we performed them. Because there were Israelis in the festival. It's a street festival, so people were passing. And then they stopped by and they wanted to take us off stage. And in the end, they turned off the speakers and got us off. And some journalists asked what happened. So people from the street were telling them that there were these... Uh, Arab rappers, they call me a rapper, that's even worse than a terrorist. Um, these Arab rappers who wanted to um, incite terror by uh, saying, we want to kill your sister, kill your brother, family, something like that, you know. And it, 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 they published that in the newspaper. And then some Israeli politicians saw this newspaper and uh, decided to start an investigation of what happened. And the investigation took three years. And uh, I had to leave Haifa for a while and 
um, like this music project that started in when I back then stopped. A lot of things happened because of this investigation that really took a long time until they were convinced that we're innocent. It was bullshit, all made up. That's crazy. That's that's crazy that you had to leave Haifa, and it's crazy that in a street festival, someone could like twist your lyrics to mean something. Oh else. yeah, that happened a lot. That like. I'm 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 just curious about like how they like like is there is was, was there some sort of misunderstanding or was I wanted to misunderstand you have like um, preconception because we are protest artists we are there to protest more than than to do art really I mean but yeah using art that was artivism pure artivism. nice to everyone and take into account everyone who doesn't uh, who is offended by this opinion of yours or that opinion or this line or that now you talk about politi politics or when you talk about religion or when you talk about sex or when you talk about anything that is a taboo for this guy or that guy you will always like have um, boundaries you know that you just have a smaller space of freedom where you can move in your art so it's kind of pointless i mean what kind of life is that if you want to live under fear or constant fear that prevents you from doing what you love you know eventually i was like fuck it i just do what i want what i can and i guess we live once and we die once wow that's very resilient like because I can imagine it to have a huge toll on anyone's mental health to go through that. Honestly, this is where you feel that art can be um, a form of resistance. That's where artivism becomes kind of real, you know, when it really uh, puts you in danger, you know, just like real art, real activism, you know what I mean? If yeah. it's if it doesn't cost anything, it's not gonna change anything. It's not gonna even cost your um, comfort, or, or or just at least um, feeling a little bit of of stress or pressure or fear. If you don't want to go through any of this and just play on the safe side, you're never gonna change anything. You're never gonna be really honest to yourself, true to yourself, you know, because you know what you feel and you know what you think and you know what you want to say, but you're afraid and it's okay to be afraid. But I, in my opinion, it is important to still do it, even if you're afraid, you know, even if you have to do it a little bit more carefully or a little bit more smartly or a little bit less, uh, you know, provoke whatever, but you still have to do it. That's my opinion. That's my personality. If I didn't do it, I would to live.
So where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook or Twitter under Joanne Safadi, just one word connected. And that's it. Thank you for listening to Sounds of Wahala. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Sounds of Wahala Podcast. We'll be back in two weeks. I've been your host, Yasmin Albay.